Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, people have some strange notions about what faith is all about. Some look at it as a leap in the dark when all else is lost. Others say it's believing things that you can't prove. Still others talk about a kind of determined optimism. You know, pie in the sky by and by. Often people speak about faith as if it stands alone. They would say, I have faith, or I have great faith. Well, there are deep and disturbing problems with each of these ideas. Biblical faith is simply this, believing in what God says and committing yourself to it. And it is based on evidence that backs up that faith. You can rest on it. You see, faith always has an object. You have faith in someone or in something. For example, when you sat down to eat your breakfast this morning, Did you check to see if your chair would actually hold you? Why not? Well, based on your knowledge of that kitchen chair and prior experience with it, you simply committed yourself to it. You exercised faith in that chair. We do this all the time. The faith that the Bible speaks of is basically just that. Is God trustworthy? Can you depend on what he has said in his word? In today's broadcast, speaker Marvin Dirksen looks at God's wonderful gift of salvation and how it is that we can be sure of it. He looks at the requirements of faith, the realities of faith in action, and the response of faith. We trust that the explanation he gives will equip you with the confidence you need to take God at his word for the eternal salvation of your soul. By grace... Are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We looked at the wonderful truth of God's grace. God's grace. Unmerited, undeserved on our part. I hope you appreciate that and hope you understand that. I think sometimes we feel that God owes us salvation. And I know I became very upset when God didn't move on my timetable. I had to come to understand I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve to go to heaven. And that was a very important arrow that I had to understand. Grace is undeserved kindness. Undeserved on our part, but it's unreserved on God's part. Not just a little bit of blessing. No, the fullness, the fullness of all that is in the heart of God. He wants to put into your life, to your account, into your eternity. And that's why you shouldn't really pass this wonderful, unmerited kindness. You shouldn't pass it by. That is really the, the riches, the riches of God's dealings. It's God's peculiar diamond. But there's, of course, the second word we looked at was the word, the, the reality of being saved. For by grace are ye saved. And that's really the reason for Calvary. Grace is God's answer to our guilt, to our sin. But God's salvation is his answer to our lostness, 
our lostness. Now, you might not feel lost tonight. You might feel very comfortable, and of course, we, we want you to feel comfortable in the, in the auditorium. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you're not saved, then you are, you are lost. You're lost in a variety of ways. And while I'm not going to look at Luke 15 tonight, I think if anyone that has read that chapter would understand that Luke takes a whole chapter, well, really the Spirit of God takes a whole chapter to describe what it means to be lost. And yes, of course, it's a chapter of the joy of being found. And so Luke begins to write about a lost sheep. And that lost sheep was unaware that it was in danger. Someone has suggested that it was ignorantly lost. Didn't know its danger. Just moving on, foot by foot, yard by yard, just moving on to different pastures. Didn't understand, didn't realize how lost and how helpless that little animal really was. And of course, the next one is the coin. That coin that slipped off the bureau and down into the darkness. And it was there in its helplessness. Coin couldn't cry for help. There's no life there. It was in the darkness. It had to be found. And tonight, as we preach the gospel, you might know an awful lot about the Bible. And you might have 200 verses under your spiritual belt, so to speak, or in your memory bank. But isn't it strange that you can't understand salvation? So you're in darkness. You're in darkness. We are in darkness. And of course, then Luke begins to write about a a son that makes a choice. He's willfully lost. And he's a long way from the Father. And he has lost the enjoyment, the participation of being in that family. And, you know, that's exactly where you are. And here's a young man. Made a choice. Willfully lost. And yet each one of those realities, there was a moment when they were, they were found, they were rescued. Well, tonight I want to look at the third word in this wonderful verse. By grace. Are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, that would be to, to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Don't miss the import of that verse. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One final verse in Romans chapter 5. Most will be able to quote this. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So faith, what is it? I think that's where we have to start because there's a lot of misunderstanding about faith. A lot of people think that faith is kind of a certain determined optimism. And they will tell you, keep the faith. Keep your head up. You've got to have faith. And really what they're suggesting is that it's tough now, but things are going to get better someday. So just Keep the faith. Is that biblical faith? No, it's not. It's not. That's just an optimism that really is many times without any foundation. And then, of course, there's others, and they will uh, 
they will ascribe to the fact that faith is is really what my church teaches. Don't know what it is, but uh, it's what I believe. And I've had people say, well, I, I don't know much about the Bible, but my clergyman or my priest or whatever, they've gone to school and they should know, and so whatever they say is fine. I've got faith in them. Is that biblical faith? No, it's not. Not at all. We find that here's Paul, and he's writing to believers, to those that have heard the gospel. And now he's writing as to the greatness of that reality of salvation. And he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. So it's a matter of, yes, understanding what God is saying, but believing it and committing yourself to that. Not just a matter of knowing. I could come into this building like I did this afternoon, and it was all dark. Now, I was well aware that this building was hooked up to power. Don't know where it came from, but I knew that there was power here. And I knew that there were lights here. But knowing that would not give us any light. And so you just flicked the switch and the light came on. You see, it's one thing to know about all these things. You know about salvation. You know that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You know that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But just knowing that is vital. But that doesn't fit you for heaven. It doesn't make it good for you. There has to come a moment when we receive this truth, when we rely on this truth, when we rest on the truth of God. And so we find that biblical faith is resting on the evidence and on the truth of all that God is and of what God has provided in his beloved son. So let me go very quickly now. I want to speak about three things because tonight we are speaking about things that you cannot see with these eyes. I have never seen God. God is a spirit, so you can't see him with these eyes. But he has revealed himself, and there was a moment when God became incarnate, when he came by way of the flesh, a real man, fully God, yet fully man, without sin. But I have never seen Christ with these eyes. I have to tell you, I've never seen heaven. I've never seen hell. And so we are dealing with realities that you cannot see with the human eye. But that's where faith comes in, because faith steps into the unseen but not the unknown. We are dealing with truths that God has revealed to us, truth that can be known. And so I want to look just very briefly at three things. First of all, the requirements for faith. Secondly, the realities concerning faith. And finally, the response of faith, requirements for faith, the realities concerning faith, and the response of faith. Faith never stands alone. You say, what does that mean? Have you ever talked to a person and say, well, I, I have great faith. You know what you need to say at that point? In what? Faith in what? Because you see, faith never stands alone. It always has an object. We trust something or we trust someone. Faith doesn't stand alone. And so we find that God has revealed himself and has given us his word. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So how will I ever know what God is like? By what I think? Huh. The world by wisdom knew not God. God never asks us to believe what is contrary to reason, but he asks us to believe what is beyond reason. Not what's contrary to reason, but what is beyond reason. You see, the world doesn't know God by their mind, by their reasoning. We fall far short 
And there's an awful lot of people and they have all kinds of ideas about what heaven is like. And they will tell you that there's no hell and they will tell you that God is what you want to make of him. And so on. We come so far short. And that's why God has given us this wonderful revelation. He's given us his words. He's revealed himself down through the ages. And that's why wonderfully, when the Lord Jesus Christ came, one of his names was the Word. The Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. Why is his name known as the Word? I'm trying to use words tonight. and Sometimes we don't do a very good job of it, but I'm trying to use words tonight to convey my thoughts, and you can't see my thoughts. So I'm trying to communicate. I'm using words. And you know, as God moved toward man, his purpose was that he might communicate with man, that every individual would understand who he is and what he's saying and what his purpose is. And there was a moment when he sent his son as the full expression of all that he is. Not just a mere man, a real man, but God in human flesh. And that's why if you want to know what God is like, you got to look at Christ. That's why as we look at his word and read his word, we're getting the mind of God. And that's why our faith here in the gospel, it's not on what we think. It's not on what we have put together or proposed. No, our foundation is the unchanging word of God. But I think we need to understand that there are some realities that um, involve faith should tell you that just yesterday, a very, very wonderful thing happened to me after Brother Steve and I decided to go for coffee. And as we were going into Tim Hortons, I got the golden words. Stephen said, Marv, it's on me. Well, that was good news. It's on me today. Now, I've known him for about five years, six years, maybe. But the last two weeks, I've gotten to know him a lot better. When I heard those words, there were two things Two, re- well, maybe three realities that I had to, to know so that I wouldn't have to pull up my billfold, my wallet. What did I have to know? It's on me. I heard some words. What did I have to know? I had to know, first of all, that he was telling me the truth, that his word was reliable. Now, I have come to know that he's got a real sense of humor. But I could tell that when we went in, he, he wasn't joking. He wasn't trying to, you know, pull a fast one. No, I, there was just the sense that He was telling me the truth. So that was foundational, wasn't it? I had to know that his word was reliable. But there's something else I had to know. And this is where it became a little bit touchy. Because we were just going in through the door, and he put his hand on on his pants, and he's looking for his wallet. And I thought, oh, that's not good. And then he found it. What did I have to know? I had to know that he was telling me the truth, but I had to know that he had some resources to pay for the coffee. I mean, you don't get freebies at Tim Hortons. You've got to pay for it. So I had to know that the word was reliable, and I had to know that he has some, some money, some resources to pay for the coffee. And when I understood that both of those things were in view, I didn't even try to find my wallet. I said, thanks very much. Give me a small regular. And he even threw a cookie in. That was nice of him. There's one more thing. I had to be willing to receive what he said and to receive his payment for me. And you know, as we come to the tremendous truth of salvation, I hope you understand this, that we are dealing with a God that the Bible says cannot 
lie. He can't lie. It's, it's, it's totally against his character. He always tells the truth. And that's why when he speaks to us, we can stand on that. We can rest on that. We don't have to wonder, is this going to change? No, his word is reliable. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And that's where we start. I wonder, have you ever understood that God has given you a lot of truth about what took place at the cross? The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. On and on it goes. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so his word is reliable. That's the foundation of faith. But the big question is, did he do enough? Has he actually dealt with my sins? Or is there something I have to add? And again, we come to the word of God, to the truth of Calvary, and we understand that there was a moment when the Lord Jesus there on the cross cried, it's finished, it's finished. Totally paid. Nothing left outstanding. And I want to ask you tonight, is God satisfied with that payment? I'm glad that my brother Stephen didn't bring over any of the UK money because Tim Hortons wouldn't have received it. No, he used the right currency. As you know, the currency of heaven that takes away our sins is the precious blood of Christ. Did Christ do enough? Yes. Is God satisfied? Ah, the answer is yes. And the big question, reliability of word, resources to pay the debt. Now we come to the third one. Because you see, a person who understands their need and looks away to Christ, ah, if they understand their need, there will come a moment when they will receive Christ, when they will receive his word, when they will thank him and appreciate him. I've been writing back and forth with a young teenager, and she has been grappling with, with the truth of salvation. She says, I, I don't feel saved. So I just happened to mention to her, I said, was the thief on the cross saved? Were sins forgiven? And how would he know that? She wrote back and she says, I, I don't know if he was saved. She was honest. So I wrote it again. I said, let's go back to Luke 23. Was the thief on the cross saved? Were sins forgiven? Was he going to heaven? She wrote back a second time. I don't know. I don't understand that. So let me ask you, was the thief on the cross saved? Was he going to be in heaven? You remember that at the start of the sufferings, he was cursing and blaspheming and railing on Christ, tearing his character down. But then he changed. He said, look, we're getting what we deserve. We deserve to be judged. And he faced the fact that he was about to step into a lost eternity. And in that desperate need, he turned to the man upon the middle cross. He says, Lord, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And from the middle cross came these words. Verily I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Was the man saved? Were his sins forgiven? What would you say? Well, let me give you the answer. Absolutely yes. How did he know? If you've been there, sir, you going to be in heaven? Sure am. How do you know? He kind of shrugged his head. He said, the man upon the middle cross, my Lord, he told me. And I think... It's not in the Bible, but I think the man said, when the Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise, I think he said, thank you, thank you. I can die with that. That's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. There must come a moment when you will receive what God has provided. When you will rest in what God says. 
And you know the response or the realities that come, the results of faith. I don't have time to go into it. I just read one verse. It's one of many. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Can't buy that. You can't earn it. No. It comes on the basis of what Christ has done and of what this book tells us. And when an individual just rests on what God says concerning his beloved son being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I trust tonight that you might receive this word. You might trust the Savior and that you might be able to leave rejoicing knowing that my sins have been forgiven, not by feeling, but because of what this book says and because of what Christ did at the cross of Calvary. Yes, the Bible emphasizes the finished work of Christ as the sure basis of our salvation. Christ has died. God is indeed satisfied with his once and for all sacrifice. This is no blind leap, my friend. You come in with your eyes wide open. It's simply trusting what Christ has done and what God has said about it. Biblical faith has no merit, but is simply reaching out an empty hand to receive God's unchanging truth. Trust Christ today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>